0: Welcome to the MedTech Talent Lab, the number one catalyst for advancing careers and building high-performance teams. Sponsored by the Anthony Michael Group, helping companies secure in-demand talent in regulatory affairs, quality, clinical, engineering, R&D, and other areas for medical device, digital health. Diagnostics and other organizations across the U.S. life sciences sector. Here's your host, Mitch
1: Robbins. All right, welcome back to another episode here on the MedTech Talent Lab podcast. I am your host, Mitch Robbins, joined by Adam Sapi. We're here each and every week uh, with live shows on on Wednesdays at 11 o'clock Eastern. I'm sorry, 11 o'clock Pacific, 2 o'clock Eastern, we talk about all things talent-related. Simultaneously to our live shows, we interview best-in-class leaders straight from the industry on all things talent alike as well. Make sure to check out those episodes wherever you're consuming uh, your podcast content. But um, today, we're going to dig into a topic we have really not covered yet out of all these episodes, and that is um, how to get actionable Uh, valuable, insightful feedback from your hiring teams. And that's on both the constructive side when teams don't wanna move forward with candidates and it's on this uh, other side where teams actually do wanna move forward with candidates. But I wanna welcome our guests, Uh, Nick Swig is here, Shannon Hayes is here, Uh, two uh, astute veteran talent acquisition professionals in their own right who are here on a regular basis with us. We really appreciate you guys being here um but let me let me real quick just set the stage for for the topic when we talk about insightful feedback we talk about actual feedback we're not talking about crickets in the sense that you just don't know what they want to do right do we want to move forward do we not we're talking about if if a hiring team or the hiring manager his or herself says yes I want to move forward with this candidate or no we don't want to move forward with this candidate are we really digging in and figuring out what this means And there's so much to unpack here, but I want to welcome you guys to the show. How's everybody doing? Doing great, man.
0: Fantastic.
1: Good. So let's start off by saying um, that the hiring manager wants a candidate to move forward in the process. You know, what I think is happening, you guys can validate this or challenge me on it, but what I think is happening in the majority of businesses is that the recruitment professional, whether it's human resources or talent acquisition, is saying, okay, great there's good feedback what's the next step in the process let's get this person signed up for the next step what I think should be happening is that we're asking the hiring manager why did they like this person are there any concerns he or she has about this person what came up in the initial interview what concerns do they have because this insight is so valuable for a few reasons one It helps you calibrate and benchmark other talent you may have in the pipeline that you may be able to present as a comparison um, uh, to the person that they like. And two, it helps you prepare the candidate for the next step by explaining where, if any, concerns lie so that they can come prepared uh, to overcome those uh, concerns in future rounds of interviews. What do you guys think about this piece?
0: Definitely agree. I think the positive decision is where Uh, recruiters tend to miss that follow-up conversation, right? And um, you get so excited about getting a positive result. We fail so much in talent acquisition that when when you do get the positive feedback, you you just kind of want to run. And I I think that's where uh, we don't pause to ask the question. And I think you're right. Not only does it help from uh, the candidate's prep perspective, getting ready for follow up interviews or if they've completed the interviews, right, getting prepared for what that first couple of weeks might look like and what learning they might want to engage in prior to getting started. But I also think when you fast forward, the, the person you hire is going to succeed or not. And the more clarity you have around specifically why was the decision made to move forward, it helps you go back and look at that decision and and really learn from it right because you you might learn that look we we were looking for the wrong things, the candidates yep. sort of scored great, but these these don't correlate to performance. Um, Or we might realize interview questions just didn't result in us getting a clear view of what the candidate's skill level was. Um, But one way or another, I think it's really important, regardless of whether it's positive or negative, as far as next steps to, to really dig in and get that actionable feedback.
1: What types of questions are you guys asking on your debriefs with hiring managers?
2: For me, and it's,
1: l- hold on, let me ask one more question. Yeah, and be honest here because I think it's really insightful and valuable. Uh, regards to the answer mm-hmm. the debriefs that you are having is it through email or is it through live conversation?
2: <laughs>
1: well, it better be live. I think
2: <laughs> it, it's ideally, it should be live. Um, I, I agree, and also understanding that some hiring teams and client groups, um, they just don't have the bandwidth. So, sometimes a lot of times it can be through email. Um, and while I always love to have kind of an interview strategy, we've talked about this previously an interview matrix, like, hey, this is what we're going to assess against based on our um, initial intake meeting. Something as simple as where their strengths, where their opportunities, and just some general comments is. Kind of the the gateway, I'd say that's kind of the the elementary school level of like, hey, at a a broad level, these were the things that are going to make them a good fit for the role. These are the things that I either have concerns about or didn't have time to dig into that the next interviewer might want to dig into. Um, And just some, you know, some other general comments if they have any.
1: So. I would say that email really should be used to schedule time to talk. And I think it's way overused. I think it's an easy way out for all of us. Um, I, I, re- and I say that in a way that is kind of, um, how do I say this? I, ha- I personally hate email. It's a necessary evil in my life. I hate it. I would much rather just have the conversation than deal with email. However, I also mm-hmm. understand that the vast majority of the business world lives on email. Um, I just think that there's so much that is said in between the words that you can't pick up on unless you're actually having the live conversation. But to Shannon's point, especially early on in the interview process, if you absolutely need to communicate via email, make sure that you find out what did they like about the the person, what concerns, if any, um, you know, where basically those those two things. Obviously, do they want to move forward? What did they like? What concerns, if any? um why do you think that just out of curiosity why do you think that recruiters aren't stopping to find out what they actually like versus really probably just saying oh great that's one last thing I have to worry about now we're moving on to the next step I at least have my job covered with a candidate
0: I think we're just very action oriented and we have a tendency to be over to overuse that skill right Mm -hmm. and um you know, it, it takes a lot of effort to really pause and think critically about the next steps that you're gonna be taking um, and to be strategic, strategic and intentional with those steps. Um, but, but I would say that, it's for me, it's not a time issue. It really just comes down to, you know what you need to do and you're just off doing it um, without necessarily really getting the, the kind of feedback that you need. Um, I, I think the most success that I've had in getting uh, actionable feedback has been through the use of more formalized assessment uh, throughout the interview process, right? So using some kind of a scorecard. Uh, and there are a lot of new technologies, ATS systems that have this software and this this feature embedded right in. Um, and what's really nice about that is it gives the entire interview team an opportunity to, to see where is this candidate trending? And some some companies may choose to reveal that information before scorecards are submitted or after. But I have found that that has significantly shortened the length of a debrief call because there's a lot of the low-hanging fruit is very obvious in the quantitative results. And it allows us to focus in on the qualitative discussion where the calibration was off, right? You've got one person who rated a candidate low on an attribute or competency, another person rated them high. Then we can kind of get into the discussion around, well, what was the conversation? What was it that you interpreted as being under skilled or highly skilled? Uh, but I, I really believe that if you have some kind of collaborative scorecard that others have access to, it makes the entire process just a lot easier and faster. And You get a lot of very specific, robust feedback that way.
3: That's been my. <laughs> oh, sorry, Mitch. <clears throat> Please. Adam, go. Uh, as Mitch was or excuse me, as, as Nick was talking, I was thinking about two clients that I've worked with recently in the last 30 days that we have a weekly ongoing video meeting with the whole team. And it's exactly that, Nick. It's, we're all sharing our screens. It's not, hey, this is a soft four, let's move on. Here's the aggregate score. Well, we found out there there was one stakeholder that is so technically sound and his expectations were very unrealistic. So we're getting like fives, four and a half, five, five, and we're getting a one or two from this guy and it threw off the aggregate. And And so people were getting candidates, were getting bonged you know, from the next round. And when, when we distilled that, and the guy was very receptive to the feedback and a nice guy and he's like, oh, okay. So here's the competencies we need. Okay, so he adjusted his scoring and then we're good to go. Um, I also canceled an interview, a second interview from from those meetings too. So like, hey, here's the feedback that's positive. We want to move forward with this candidate. And I'm like, well, the, the candidate, that's not what the candidate's interested in. That's not a motivating factor. So let me call him. And when I did, he's like, yeah, that's that's not of interest to me. So I think in terms of time, you can save time by having a 30-minute weekly video meeting like that versus all the emails back and forth. Or, you know, like we, we normally see, oh, hiring managers a thumbs up mr or miss hr mm-hmm. coordinator scheduled the next round let's go let's go and meanwhile we don't know mm-hmm. we don't know anything other than they're open to, totally. to moving forward and then you might find out well the hiring manager sends everyone to the next round so it's not even a positive we we see it as a positive and it might not even be
2: yep <clears throat> and, and I. I
1: a- <sighs> sorry go ahead shannon
2: oh yeah i i think that there's a lot of for me it goes back to Training, training recruiters, training hiring managers. I had a hiring manager once who told every candidate that she interviewed about uh, the next steps in the process, which were like the pre-boarding. And we have like she didn't want to offer them. And it was simply Mm. because she didn't know. She's like, I don't know how to end the interviews. Gotcha. Um, But also to training on the recruiter side that, hey. We don't have to be order takers and hold ourselves accountable because I've been in those meetings too, Adam, where it's like, okay, we've got our standing meeting, hiring manager. I sent you these three candidates. Have you had a chance to look at them? No, I'll do it later today. And then the recruiter is like, oh, let's, let's move on. I said, okay, time out.
3: Let's do it now.
2: Those CVs yeah. Right now. Right. And let's do it right, right now because they've been saying, I'll do it later today. And then, like, like everybody else's world, something explodes. So it never, it's it never really comes, yeah. yeah, it's training those those recruiters and then training your your the whole hiring team, because it's a team sport, right? Like this is why we're here, this is a priority, and we all have to do our part.
1: It's a perfect segue to, to what I want to say about this. I, I think too often a talent acquisition professionals and and recruiters they put hiring managers on on pedestals in the sense that what they say goes and i strongly believe it's your responsibility to constantly be playing devil's advocate with the hiring manager they're counting you uh, really to to make them think to challenge them to help them ensure the right talent is landed and i, I want to stress again i really think a lot of these conversations are crucial conversations and they have to happen live <clears throat> but for example i don't want to move forward with can why uh do you think they could do the job yes but I'm not sure that they're interested well what gave you that impression well they just didn't seem that excited when I spoke with them okay so after I debrief with them in the event they truly are excited and interested in next steps would you be open to them speaking with x y and z as the as a next step well, yeah, sure. If you think it makes sense and you, they are interested, great. You just went from taking face value. I'm not interested. We had no idea why to, well, they didn't seem that interested. Well, how do you know what was going on in their world? What does not interested mm-hmm. mean in all these things? But you would never have gotten to that uh, resolution had you not started poking <clears throat> and prodding. So please, if you're listening to this and you're in HR or talent acquisition recruiting, it's your re- it really is your responsibility. You have a huge Responsibility to your company and to the hiring manager to push back and play devil's advocate.
0: I like that example, Mitch, because um, I've had that happen in the past. In fact, I've had it for reasons I'm not proud of, where uh, I had a a hiring manager reach out and let me know I'm not interested in moving forward with this candidate. In this particular case, I was so surprised because the candidate was really outstanding. And so I, I had taken the time to kind of dig in further. I was glad I did because when I got the answer, which was the candidate is a bit long in the tooth. And for those of you who don't know what that means, it means they are too old. Right. And so, oh, my goodness, that was terrifying. Big fat
3: discrimination 100% lawsuit.
0: hundred <laughs> percent. And we started drilling down even further. And. The root cause was that this this was a l- brand new position. It was launching a whole new segment of the company. And this hiring manager felt somebody needs to be in this role for five years. And he didn't necessarily think this person would, hmm. right? Um, this happened to be one of those candidates that's gonna work to the dead, like you know, probably all four of us, frankly. Uh, so <laughs> ultimately, we made sure he understood what we can't reject based on age. Uh, so yep. let's move forward. Um, that was the candidate we ended up hiring, nice. and it, it worked out mm-hmm. great. And you. had I just taken that face value, just like Mitch, your example, right? We'd have missed out on a great hire. That's yeah.
3: awesome. Yeah,
0: that's great. Great. Yeah, and who
3: are you betting on staying at your company for five years anyway? Even if I was
2: going to say, who stays in their job old? in that role for five years? I've been at right. a company for a long longer than that, but I have not been in the same role.
0: <laughs> well, I, I, I will admit in that case, uh, the hiring manager was based in Europe, and the tenure is a little bit different uh, in the European market. So kind of a reasonable expectation for the European market,
1: but to your point, not reasonable for the US. So nice yeah, thank, thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to talk about the other side, the candidate side. So when candidates are lucky enough to get feedback that the company is not going to be moving forward uh, with their candidacy, I would say over 90% of the time, they aren't necessarily sure why that is. It's usually something like, thanks for your interest, but we've decided to pursue other candidates, uh, yep. or thanks for your interest, it was so close, but we've decided to you know, pursue you know, an alternative candidate. Why, why is that? How can you help these candidates along their journey of finding their next role, and what feedback can you share? that may help them better present themselves or perhaps learn and develop new skills. Now, I wanna, I wanna dig into this because I think there's something to be said where people are a little bit nervous about what they can share with the candidate. The hiring manager says, ah, I don't mm-hmm. think we're gonna get along. Do you wanna share that with the candidate? Somebody says, hey, they look like they're disheveled and blah, blah, blah. Do you wanna share that with the candidate? I mean, there's lines of what you want to, what you feel comfortable with, what you feel that you can, from a legal standpoint, share. Right. But at the same time, I think there's this whole other avenue. Of, we can be much better in this profession of giving candidates actual feedback that's actually going to help them along their way and therefore um, promoting greater brand equity in the marketplace because people are so grateful for what you've done for them even without giving them a job. What do you guys think? Let, let's start with why do you think the feedback across the board in general is, is, is nowhere near as concrete as it can be?
0: i think you hit it on the head i think recruiters are terrified of sharing something that might lead to a lawsuit um my challenge to that would be if the feedback you're about to give is giving you concern that we might get sued you need to go back and figure out if if this is the right feedback, right? And if in the last example I gave, had I just gone straight to the candidate and said, you know, you're a bit long in the
3: tooth,
0: right? percent <laughs> she would have sued, she'd have won, right? Open shut case. And so um, I, I personally believe in sharing that feedback when asked because some candidates um, actually don't wanna hear it, believe it or not. Um, so I do, you know, wait until they ask me for that feedback. But it keeps me honest. And if I've got feedback, I feel like I can't share because of legal reasons, then I know I got to get back with the hiring manager to figure out you know, what are the tangible and, and realistic reasons that we're not moving forward with, with this candidate and to really push back on uh, leaders and interviewers, not just hiring managers that might uh, want to reject a candidate on a basis that you know might be on the line. Um, that that's my feeling I, I really believe if if you're terrified of breaking the law and getting sued it's probably because you should be sued <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: I, yeah. I think the other side of that too and I've, and I've known a lot of recruiters myself included early on in my career that are just afraid to hurt the candidates' feelings like that's sad news like we don't want to deliver bad news um and they like even have gone so far as just never get back to the candidate which i know like we've talked about ghosting um but it's do you need training and having those like crucial like uncomfortable conversations and how can you share that in a positive way i know um one of the senior recruiters on my former team she had to decline a candidate three times gave him specific feedback, fostered that relationship. The perfect role came open for him, open and closed in a matter of days because she used that challenging conversation to build their relationship.
3: So I just wrote that down. I was like, I remember he- Heather's story from before. Yeah. If you didn't have that feedback and good on her to, ha- to obtain yeah. that. So she's not just like, hey, sorry, you're not getting hired. Guess mm-hmm. what? That doesn't come back, and then you don't hire the person for the fourth the fourth time. So good on her to be a professional mm-hmm. and share that and have a grown-up conversation with with the candidate. And it paid off mm-hmm. for everybody. And I and it's funny. I, I think that's a concern too, Shannon. That you know we don't want to ruin anybody's day. I would say overwhelmingly, when I call with bad news, the candidates are super grateful for that. They're like, normally I don't even hear anything. I get ghosted. So this is good information. Hey, yeah. look, you were one of three finalists. Everyone else was master's prepared. They had their RAC certification. They've authored at least three 510Ks, whatever it is. So if you do this, this, and this, stay the course, volunteer for projects right now in a different market or with R&D or whatever else, then let's circle back in six months. That's an actionable, actionable takeaway. You're like, great. Now I have some information versus, I don't know, I didn't get the job at X, Y, and Z company, and I'm not even really sure why.
0: Yeah, Ben makes a great point, though I would say because uh, you know we're all not at the beginning of our careers, <laughs> um, but these are very difficult conversations if you have not engaged in this kind of robust conflict, right? These these are very emotional decisions for people, yeah, um, and, and particularly now where you know people aren't even talking by phone as much as as they used to 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 engage in this kind of a, a conflict. I, I think you absolutely make a great point, Shandon.
3: I was going to say, too, I try to empathize with the hiring manager. So I'll put it back to, to her or him. Hey, I, this isn't even specifically for the candidate, but how can I help you? You know, I've used the analogy a bunch of times where if I'm a homeowner and I'm hiring a contractor to build a fireplace and all of a sudden halfway through, I'm just like, nope, I don't like that fireplace. And they're like, why not? I don't know. I just don't like it. Fix it make it better. And you're like, well, how do I do that? Do you want it two-sided? Is this the wrong style? Is this whatever? Without that feedback, we're going to send you seven other candidates just like this last one. So if you don't have actual feedback in terms of why you're not interested in moving forward, if, they, if they're if they lacking something in their skill set, or if they didn't present well, or if, you know, how do you determine they're a cultural fit? Or, you know, we were just joking on that before we recorded. Oh, they're just not a fit. You hear that all the time. Well, how do you how do you articulate that how how do you quantify that so help me help you basically and I, and and usually if you put it back on them sometimes they get it and the light bulb clicks in and they go oh okay so here's why i really didn't here's why i didn't like them they came from this company i've had a bad i have a bias against his company okay well then we need to overcome that first of all
1: so i've got three things to wrap up with a wise man once said in the past and it's always stuck with me I can handle the nose it's the despair that'll kill you so re- re- remember that when you're thinking about whether or not you want to deliver some sort of piece of feedback is that you're actually helping the person whether or not they know it at the time when they hear that that they're not getting the job or that you know they did something that could have been better you're actually helping them yeah um to adam's point you know let's say you had a panel interview uh and the consensus was they didn't want to move forward and I- ask yourself am I really digging in to find out why or am I accepting surface level feedback like oh they're too much of a job hopper and we're afraid they're going to leave us too or uh you know they didn't give specific enough answers or as Adam said they're just they're not the right fit because without this necessary feedback or I would say data you're going to drive yourself crazy trying to help the team identify and land the right candidate you really truly need to calibrate you need to ask questions you need to challenge to ensure you aren't passing over talent unnecessarily uh, especially when it's so hard to come by uh you know it it really truly is and what Adam said about those you know even even bi-weekly calibration calls I think is 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 huge huge. and I guarantee you there's a lot of people listening to this thinking yeah this all sounds great but when you've got 30 recs on your desk and I've got 25 different hiring managers to serve And I can't get on their calendars and they're saying where's our candidates and they're saying not right fit. How do you want me to be so detailed with this?
0: You can't afford not to be, Mitch.
1: I was just going to (laughs) say, I'm going to stop and shut my mouth. I want to hear what you say because this is real life.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's the reality is that the cost of not doing the job well to your time is enormous. And so I get it. Uh, another meeting, another conversation. It may not feel like you can squeeze it in, but can you really squeeze in starting all over again, or um, you know, having a failed hire, a hire that that washes out, right? So, um, I, I would say that yes, you may not have the time to do it, but you can't afford not to.
3: Yeah, and you can shorten them, or you know, if you have to cancel for some reason, you know, that happens. But I know as a recruiter on the other side too hey, Mr. and Mr. Hire Manager, you're incentivizing everyone on your team because nobody likes to log on and go, oh man, for the third week in a row, I have no viable candidates to discuss. I'm failing miserably. I'm, you know, whatever else. That's a terrible feeling. So then you're even more motivated so that, hey, Thursday, I'm meeting with the team. I have got to hustle and and find somebody that we feel good about talking to. to." Um, So that's extra incentive for your team um, as well. So I think... You know, having a 15, 20-minute meeting every week is is going to save you time in the, and give you an ROI uh, big
1: time. And the last little <clears throat> nugget I'll drop is for candidates. So if you aren't getting real feedback from your interviews that you can actually use for next time, one, I would say it's absolutely your responsibility to get it. But I'm going to tell you how. What you need to do, though, is follow me on LinkedIn. Look up Mitch Robbins, follow me on LinkedIn. And within the coming days, I'm going to put exactly what you need to do to make sure that you leave these interviews with actual feedback instead of, you know, not the right fit or we're moving on. So I will- Especially if you're not
3: working with a case. recruiter, yeah, and you're getting the generic decline emails. I'm, I'm excited to see your content too and see what, what those uh, takeaways are for, for folks because that's the majority of people, right? They're applying to 17 different places and they get 16 generic, hey, sorry, but you're not a good fit. And you're like, well, I, I've- i'm no better than i was 45 days ago so this will this will be
1: great this will help help a lot of people hopefully cool guys thanks so much for being here live Uh, make sure to check out the rest of the episodes here on the medtech talent lab we will be back live with another show next wednesday 11 uh, pacific to eastern thank you guys
0: thanks for listening to the medtech talent lab podcast for more content rich episodes Log on to the anthonymichaelgroup.com or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform.